And what we have to recognize is that when we submit to Christ, suddenly we have a different view of how we're supposed to be. When you don't have shoes, you're vulnerable. Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Yes, turn to your neighbor and say, you're anchored for more. Fantastic. It's so good to see you. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Nate, and um, I'm the lead pastor here. My wife, Mayel, who does such a great job up here, and my boys, we've been here in Portland. We just love Portland. And how many know yesterday is a day that makes Portland the best place in the world to live? 65 and sunny. Thank you, Jesus. And online, I hope you were in Portland yesterday as well. But uh, we welcome you if you're online watching us. We're so glad that you're with us. Just a quick reminder, we have our annual business meeting tonight at 5 o'clock. So let's, at 5 o'clock. It's going to be great. I can't wait for it. We're going to have a great time. But we're so glad that you're here. And we're in this series on Anchored. And if you've not been with us or have been following along, we're going through the book of Ephesians and we only have two more weeks left in Ephesians. Can you believe that? We've gone through the entire book almost. Isn't that incredible? And so maybe if you're newer to your faith and Jesus and following God and reading the Bible, uh, you can kind of pat yourself on the back because you've almost made it completely through the book of Ephesians. Way to go. Well, I wanted to start out talking about hope to you, with you today because we really do believe in presenting hope in the name and power of Jesus Christ because it's the hope of Christ that really is the anchor for our souls. And you know, there was this young man who just had graduated from college and he was on his way uh, to church and he came in and sat down and he had high hopes that Sunday. You see, after graduating from college, he was still single and he didn't want to be single any longer. So he sat down in a pew and he prayed to God, Lord, I just pray and hope that you would bring my wife to me this Sunday. And lo and behold, a beautiful woman about his age sat down right next to him. And as the worship began, everybody stood and she raised her hands and he thought, oh Lord, it's a sign. She loves you. And they sang all the way through. And as they sat down, the pastor said, all right, everybody, turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers. So he looked down his Bible and looked at her and he said, excuse me, excuse me. She said, yes. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm having a problem. She said, well, what's your problem? He goes, I'm looking in the book of Numbers, and yours isn't in it. <laughs> she smiled and grabbed a piece of paper and wrote down and folded it and handed it to him. And he said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Service gets over, and they leave, and he gets to his car, and he grabs his phone, and he's shaking, and he's so excited, and he opens up the paper, and it says, oh. One, two, three, you're not for me. <laughs> Burn! You know, we all have hopes in life. We all have hopes. But the truth is, 
in our relationships, don't we always start out with high hopes that everything will go well? That everything will be swimmingly easy? That that person will see things just the way I see them? I mean, think about it when you date somebody and you meet them and they walk on water practically, they're perfect. That's why those movies that you watch, those romantic comedies, they can't go very long. <laughs> That's why they're so short, because there's going to be a problem that's happening soon, right? Isn't it true that relationships can be hard? Isn't it true that relationships in church can be hard? Because we have different opinions, different values, different things that we like. And what's so funny is that we think someone is so great, so perfect, until there's a test. And you know what that test is? Disagreement. And anybody who's been in a relationship longer than a month knows that a disagreement is on its way. And you see, we live in a world that doesn't do disagreement well. In fact, church history would tell us that churches don't do disagreement well. In fact, if you go all the way back, the last prayer that Jesus had for his, his disciples and for you and for me is that we would be one as the Father and him are one. He's praying for unity in the church. He's praying for unity for you and for me. And one of the things that you and I have to recognize is that we have to fight a battle for unity. And that's not easy. That's not easy. And we see it all over. People cancel each other. Churches are filled for a week. And then next week something happens and they're over and over. And there's all these different things. And I know that it's way more complex. It takes feelings and emotions. But the Apostle Paul in Ephesians gives us a secret that you and I need to hold on to. It's not just a secret, it's actually the power and work of the Holy Spirit through the gospel. And here's what it is. We're going to put it up on the screen really quickly. The gospel radically transforms our hearts, which transforms our relationships. You see, in order for a relationship to change, now don't nudge your spouse or someone who's sitting next to you. In order for people to change, one of the problems that happens is many people work on rules and laws and regulations. They change all these outward things, but the gospel, guess where it goes? Straight to the heart, the place that needs the most transformation. And you see, the difficult thing for you and for me is that Paul is going to talk straight to your heart this morning and mine, so I'm just going to warn you. This is going to be one of those messages where you're like, oh, please don't say that. I'm sorry. Don't get offended with me. I'm going to read the scripture, okay? This is straight out of the word. In fact, my big idea this morning, in just a moment I'm going to share with you, is actually a verse of scripture. That's how radical this one is. You ready? If you turn your Bibles, we're going to go to Ephesians. Go ahead and get there. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And there's this word, the S word. Watch out. I'm telling you, it's a big one. The, no, the S word. Somebody's like, wait, what did he just say? S. The S word. Submit. Oh. You had to go there. Submit. Here's what Paul starts out with. This word. You ready? Submit 
to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. My big idea is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Can I say that one more time for you? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, because of what he has done, and what did he do? He set the standard. You know what he did? He lovingly served you and me by going to the cross and dying for my sins and your sins so that we would have a radical transformation in our lives. And this is what he said to his disciples, and the same thing is true for you and for me. The world likes to lord it over each other, the authority and their power. But you know what? Among you, if you're my follower, if you're my disciple, if you're being developed, you know what's going to be different about you? You're going to look to serve and submit one to another, not look to be in charge. And I'm telling you, that's hard. We love to be in control and in charge and to say, I know what's right. But God says, if you want to have healthy relationships in your life, you've got to start with this one word, this S word, submit. You know, there's this famous basketball coach who uh, just passed away. His name's John Wooden. Anybody heard of John Wooden? Anybody heard of him? Okay, he won 10 national championships at the University of UCLA. Amazing coach. And one of the things that was fascinating about him that people may not know is before his first practice, he would have all of his players come and sit on the ground and he would teach them how to put on their socks. Not, and this is Lou Alexander, who became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Walton, famous basketball players, won all these titles. No matter how famous or big they are, he demanded one thing. You put your socks on right and your shoes on right. So they would get down and they would take their shoes off and then they'd put their, look at these beautiful socks. And they put their shoes on. Now, if you know anything about a guy named Bill Walton... So you can go back and look at him. He was known for going against the grain, kind of being more of a hippie, doing his own thing. And at first he wasn't going to do this. But, Bill, but John Wooden said, well, you can do that on the bench. And he didn't budge. And so Bill Walton sat on the ground and tied his shoes, laced him, his socks, just the way. And here's why. He said, your feet in basketball is the most important thing. If you get a blister, you won't be able to play. You will actually disqualify yourself simply by the way that you tie your shoes. And what we have to understand is when Scripture's saying, I want you to be anchored, I want you to live by my laws, my principles, it's not to harm you, it's actually to set you free. But here's the problem. Many of us in our lives, God's saying, do this. And I'm saying, no, I want to wear these. God's saying, give this up. We're like, no, 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 that can't be God. I've got to get six witnesses. I've got to have the, like a few signs. I've got to have at least a vision, maybe a dream. The parting of the seas have to happen. I don't know, something great has to happen for me. And God's simply saying, submit. You see, what ends up happening is, and I see this over and over, is we see people struggling with their faith in God because they're stuck in two worlds. They feel the tension. 
You see, during the week, they kind of go over here and they're wondering why there's no freedom and power in their life. And they come on Sunday and it's like, oh, I can jump a little higher. I'm a little faster. I'm a little stronger. I see things a little clearer. It's not the Steph Curry's. It's the presence of God. And yet you and I every day have this duality that we're living in. When the Bible calls us to something difficult and greater, we have to make the decision, who will you trust? Will you trust God's word? Or will you trust how you feel about what God said? All of us have to come back and say, you know what? Not my will be done, but his will be done. Who modeled that for us? His name is Jesus. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So Paul tells us that we're going to have to submit and we're going to have to give up our rights, our wills. Why? For the unity and unto the Lord. And I'm going to unpack this for you in just a moment because sometimes when we hear the word submit, we have a different image in our minds than what the Bible is actually talking about. You see, oftentimes when you think of the word submit, many people think of like UFC or wrestlers choking you out. You see, the lie of submission in Scripture is that submission is actually going to control you, but actually in the Gospels, submission actually empowers you to make you free. It changes your relationships. So my prayer is for all of us, just like the Apostle, prayer, the Apostle Paul prayed, that you and I would have lives and relationships that are led by the Holy Spirit. So if you want that this morning, would you just lift your hands? So I'm going to pray over you right where you are. So Father, right now, I pray that we would have relationships led by your Spirit. As we read through your scripture here, God, may we be hungry to change and transform and to submit our will to you, Father. Lord, I rebuke rebellious spirits right now in Jesus' name. Anybody here that's partnering with rebellion, I break that off in Jesus' name. And I ask that we would submit to you, God, first and then one to another in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So here's what the Bible says. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Can I get an Amen. Verse 25, husbands, hey, 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 I'm just reading God's word, guys. Come on. I could tell people are kind of, it's like, a, don't worry, ladies, it's going to get really good for you in just a second. Just be, be let the shoe come, all right? We're going to get in unity in just a moment. Man, I could feel it. Someone changed the temperature in the room? Oof. Hold on. All right. <clears throat> Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, 
Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must Respect her husband. Okay, ladies, submit. Men, die. Which one do you want? Don't you see how the enemy loves to twist scripture against each other? Right there in marriage, and here's what it is. The two shall become one flesh. In the Hebrew, that word was echad, which means oneness with plurality. And what ends up happening is a couple gets married and one says, hey, I like white shoes. And the other one says, I like brown. Which one will we be? Some of you think this is exactly what your conversation was on your way into church today. Submitting one to another as unto the Lord is something that all of us have to surrender to Jesus in order to live that out. Because the only way that we can live that out in a way that honors God is if we're led by the Holy Spirit. Because here's the fear. If I submit or give up my power, what are they going to do with it? They're going to take advantage of me. They're going to run me over. But you know what's amazing about that? The Bible's actually showing a picture that if wives submit and men die, okay, spiritually, okay? Guys, let's be clear here. We're laying our lives down as Christ did. That when both couples start laying it down, you know what ends up happening? It's not this. It's not this. Do you know what Jesus said? Or what happened with Moses? Sorry, I got to get right guy, Moses. Listen, listen. He goes before a burning bush. And he, God says what? Take off your shoes, your sandals. Why? Because you're on holy ground. The marriage is holy ground. When we lay down our rights, husbands, we lay it down willingly. Let's try that again willingly, not the 15th time she said, please change the light bulb. And I'll put my hand up there as well. Right? We willingly submit. And ladies, I saved the fancy shoes for you. You're welcome. When we submit, guess what we're doing? Holy Spirit, I give you my husband. Get him, Lord! No, just kidding. Come on, ladies. We know we prayed those prayers. Right? And what we have to recognize is that when we submit to Christ, suddenly we have a different view of how we're supposed to be. 
When you don't have shoes, you're vulnerable. Things are not necessarily the way they look on the outside when you take your shoes off. When you come barefoot before the Lord and you say, you are holy, I serve out of reverence to you. Guess what happens? This changes. You see, submission is something that you and I, we never graduate out of. We're always every day surrendering our minds, our hearts, our lives to God so that I can have a spirit-led relationship and promote unity in the body of Christ and it starts in your house. So Paul, he starts with marriage and then he goes to the next part of relationships. It's really interesting. He's gonna go through three relationships here. Husbands and wives. He's gonna go with kids and parents. And he's going to do something that's really interesting. He's going to talk about slaves and their masters. So let's talk about kids here in just a second. So here's what it says, verse 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exacerbate your children. That's a hard word exacerbate. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, that word exacerbate, what does that mean? The Greek, the, the, the Greek word there is padia, and it means instruction. It means to not provoke to anger. In other words, when you're raising and you're tra- training up your kids, you're not supposed to provoke your kids to get angry. You're supposed to train them up. You're supposed to discipline them. Now, I looked it up, and I was hoping it said parents. I'm not going to lie. But Paul, for some reason, he's calling out dads. This is what he says. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Why would Paul call out the men? Well, do you realize that we live in a culture right now especially in America right now, where fathers are absent. And we're seeing the destruction and degradation of a society, aren't we? Listen to these statistics I found. From, it's, a, it's a paper called The Daily Signal. It says this, 51% of all children in America right now are born out of wedlock. 51%. In 1950, 1950, 4% of Americans were born out of, a, out of wedlock. 4%. The results of children going up without fathers in the home are devastating. 75% of all inmates grew up without a father. And 63% of all youth suicides come from fatherless homes. We need a revival in the hearts of fathers. We need a revival in the hearts of men. Every man in this house, you are called by God to be the head of your house. And the reason that our wives have such a hard time submitting is because you're not living like Christ. 
And the reason we struggle so much with disciplining is because the truth is, if that statistic is right, you weren't actually modeled how to be a good dad. It wasn't modeled for you to be a good husband. If the statistics are true, many people in here, you're faced with trauma, you're faced with brokenness, and the lie the enemy wants you to believe right now is that Pastor Nate's coming after you and he's beating you down. It's an easy one to get an amen. Yeah, beat the dads. But I'm actually coming at you with love. Because men, we need you. Men, we need you. When worship comes, raise your hands, sing. Does it sound good? I don't know. I'm not listening. But I'm watching. And your kids are watching. Your wife's watching. The Lord's watching. You are setting an example. Way more is caught than taught. Way more is caught than taught. And we have to recognize that as men that God is calling us to something so much greater. And I am believing this prophecy in Malachi that it's going to happen in our generation. And here's what the prophecy says in Malachi 4, 6. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. What is he saying? And Malachi, if you want to go back and read the context, it's just an amazing warning that if you don't repent and come back to God, there will be destruction. But he says, if you repent and you submit your heart to the Lord, guess what's going to happen? Your heart's going to change and your kid's heart's going to change. If you're here today and there's relationship strain in your house, whether it be with your kids or your grandkids or your spouse, the best thing that you can do is submit your heart to God. And you might be here thinking, well, Pastor Nate, I've done that before. Do it again. Do it on the morning and on the night. Really? Absolutely. You know why? Because if you're like me, I want to go at my own pace with my own shoes and the way I want to go. Why? Because I have a sinful nature that wants to come back to life. But Romans says that I have crucified my sinful nature with Christ. That is not me. I no longer live. But in Christ, I am a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen? So I need to leave this over here and I resubmit my mind, my heart, my emotions back to God so that I can be the father my kids need them to be, need me to be. You see, we don't come to church to play games. We come to church to encounter the presence of God. Because just like Paul's telling this church in Ephesus, I'm telling every single one of us this morning, we need to encounter the presence of God every day. Every day. So he uses husbands and wives as an example. And now, and he does kids, and now he comes to something that we're going to be very open and honest. If it's in Scripture, we're not afraid of it. I'll try that again. If it's in Scripture, we're not afraid. We're going to go through the entire Bible because it's God's Word that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Here's what it says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, 
not people, because you know the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. At a quick glance, when you read that, this may cause some pause. And I'm going to rightly say it should. It should cause pause. But we must be clear, Scripture does not approve of slavery. It actually does the opposite. The Bible opposes slavery. You see, slavery has been a stain of great wickedness in our nation. It's shocking and it is sad. Amen? Amen. It continues today in many parts of the world, and we ought to be absolutely appalled by it. It helps us to understand that not all slavery has been identical throughout history. This isn't to justify abuses in our nation or others, but it helps to understand that Paul is writing to a historical context in his day and age. You see, during this time frame, it is estimated in the Greco-Roman world that one-third of the population was enslaved. So in other words, he shows up on the scene and he's preaching the gospel and guess where he finds himself? Slavery is everywhere. Now, it's also important to understand that the, the word can also be translated and many times it's translated. If you look at different translations, it'll say the word bond servant. It's bond servant, which is having an earthly master ownership. Somebody owns the rights and the will for you to serve them. As odd as it may seem to you and to me, many people preferred to be servants or slaves because they had no way to provide for themselves. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, you will see these different encounters where a slave will then decide they're up for freedom and they'll say, no, actually I want to live here. These are my family now. And they'll put a new ring, a new uh, earring in their ear and they'll say, you're mine forever. You see, it's a completely different culture and a completely different set of things. But here's what Paul's doing. He's showing up to a culture and a context and he's not trying to change people by changing politics and law. You know what he's doing? He's going to change their hearts. How? By the gospel. You see, what Paul is trying to get you to understand, and you and me, we will find ourselves, and I want you to hear this very clearly, you will find yourself in a situation that is not just. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to injustice? You see, I love the Bible because it also talks about how God fights for the unjust. That he says, actually, do not repay evil for evil, for it is mine to repay. I will have the vengeance, thus saith the Lord. So what is he saying? Submit to me. Let my presence, my power, the love and the grace of Jesus Christ infiltrate your life so much that you can love people even when they do evil towards you. Masters, slaves, parents, kids, husbands, wives. Whatever relationship you find yourself in, it needs the loving grace and transforming power of God. And how do you receive that? And that's the big idea this morning. Submit. Submit. 
submit yourselves one to another as unto Christ. If I could have the worship team come up. There once was a, a captain who was sailing and it was dark and it was night and there was fog and he saw a light in the distance and he told his, one, of his, uh, one of his sailors, he said, hey, send him a message. Turn 10 degrees south. The message came back, you turn 10 degrees north. And the captain, this irritated him. He said, tell him, I'm the captain and I say, turn 10 degrees south. Well, the person replied back, I'm third class Johnny. Turn 10 degrees north. And that got him so upset. He said, I know what will fix this. Tell him, turn 10 degrees south. I'm a battleship. And the reply came back, turn 10 degrees north. I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> you see, in our world, you could go on your phone or your tablet right now and find 150 ways to have better relationships. And it will actually help you feel better because it might justify your feelings. It might justify what's going on. But when the Bible says submit, it's often like that lighthouse. It's going to be a message you don't want to hear. But it's the path to freedom. You see, being anchored in the Bible means that I need to let the Bible read me, not me read the Bible in the sense that I am trying to let God's word transform what's in my heart, not me change it so it fits what I want to live my lifestyle. You see, you and I always have a choice every, every single day, and that's this. Will I submit or will I do my way? Every day, you and I have that choice. Why are we so committed to doing life journals and reading God's word and praying for each other and singing songs and worshiping? Why are we so committed to that? Because you and I need the presence of God to transform our relationships so that we can be in unity, that we can love each other, that we can have grace for each other. Because the truth is, what I like, you may not like. I love Thai food. You might be like, oh, no Thai food. Cheeseburgers, tacos. Panda Express, P.F. Chang's. And the list goes on and on. And it sounds funny here, but when it comes amongst us, what if we disagree about other things? How do we love each other? We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what does that really mean? It means lovingly becoming a servant. Lovingly becoming a servant. It does not make you a doormat. It actually empowers you to have radical love for your most important relationships. So here's what I want to do. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes if you're online watching this. The Holy Spirit's working, He's speaking, and maybe you're here today and you have not submitted your heart to Jesus. Today's your day to surrender your heart to the Lord. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're seated and I wanna pray for you. If there's anybody here that wants to come home to the Father, just raise your hand, I wanna pray for you right where you are. Right where you are, make sure I'm not missing anybody. 
Yeah, I see that hand. That's awesome. I see that hand. That's awesome. Thank you. Multiple hands. Another hand. That's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you can put your hands down. That's awesome. If I could have everyone raise, or I'm sorry, keep your heads down. If everyone could repeat after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me clean. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. You're my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's, let's clap for the three people that raised their hand. That's just awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If I could have everyone stand with me. And as you stand, we're going to get ready to worship Jesus. And I have a response that I just believe is for every single person here. Is the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart a relationship that you need to submit to. You need something to change in your relationship. It could be your work, could be your spouse, could be your kids, grandkids, could be your friends, could be your neighbor. But there is something the Lord is wanting you to surrender and submit to Him so that you can have a healthy relationship. In other words, stop fighting for, to be right, but fight for unity. The Holy Spirit is beginning to stir right now. And as we sing, I am praying that every single person here would take a next step. And here's what it is. If I need to make a relationship right, today's the day. Oh, Pastor Dave, please don't make me do that. I'm, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Because relationships are hard. That's why we serve a big God. So as we sing, I want to challenge you. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right where you are. What areas, what relationships do you need to submit first to Christ so that you could submit one to another and lovingly serve in a way that honors and glorifies God? If he's speaking to you, I just challenge you, obey. Just obey. Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for the bride of Christ. Lord, I pray as we lift our hands and we begin to sing these songs that the work and the conviction of the Holy Spirit will begin to transform our minds, that we would submit out of love one to another and that we would see transformation in every relationship. I pray for unity in your church. I pray for unity in marriages. I pray for unity in the kids. Lord, every single area our friendships, our neighbors. God, you designed us to walk in love and unity, and we need your presence. We need your spirit, God. Help us to choose you and love and unity above our preferences, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, let's sing together. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.